Welcome back to another episode of the Victor Zhang's Friends podcast. Today I have with me, I'm not even gonna lie, I don't even know how I remember, I don't remember how I met you, Matthew, but his name's Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Hi y'all, my name's Matthew Wynn. <laughs> uh, do you even remember how we met? I feel like it must have been just like through passing or I really don't remember what it was. I met you at, it was fall twenty. 20 mm-hmm. it was the beginning of my sophomore year um it was out of centuries tailgate actually oh okay. and um i wasn't in centuries at the moment oh my goodness and i remember now <laughs> it was the halloween tailgate at some house and everyone was wearing their costumes and i think i just met you very briefly yeah um just quick introductions and then i think i met you more uh-huh. as like the years went by and yeah. we've just become i guess better friends since then there you go that was like at the um it was like that house in the historic district, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Outside, I forgot, I don't know where. It's, it's right on George Bush. That's what it is, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, It's coming back to me now. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, so you are a junior mechanical engineering major. I think I like hearing about why everyone joins their major or why they chose them. So, like, what made you choose engineering and then eventually mechanical? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I started out in college as a microbiology major, mm-hmm. um, and for the longest time, and even to this day, I've had goals of going to medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the, I guess, end career goal uh, post-college. And then I realized, like, after some talking with my parents that I wanted to go into engineering. Um, not quite sure where or which department of engineering, but I realized that um, engineers kind of solve problems and approach life very differently compared to a lot of other people. They're just very much more systematic and mm-hmm. uh, methodical with their way of thinking. Uh, something that I wanted to incorporate kind of in my own future, like time as a physician and how I dealt with patient care. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where I switched into the whole engineering mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and my entire freshman year, I just kind of had to work to transfer into the major or into the college. And then um, I was deciding between mechanical, chemical, and biomedical, mm-hmm. like which ones would be the best fit for me and the best preparation for medical school. And mm-hmm. um, don't really know why I chose mechanical. Like I, I think I just uh-huh. uh, decided on it because I thought it was cool. I actually really do enjoy physics. And I know a lot of people don't like physics, yeah. but for me it's really interesting. And um, obviously the major's hard. Like you can relate to that mm-hmm. for sure. But um, it's been rewarding also. And I've started to notice how I think as an engineer, Mm -hmm. like kind of now, like I look at a lot of things in the real world or things in my house and I'm like, I wonder what kind of stress this is like being under right now. Like me cooking, I'm like, what is the stress on this apple as I'm cutting Uh through it? And I'm like, I'm such an engineer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Wait, so, um, your, your end goal is still med school, right? Yeah. Um, that's further down the line, right after I graduate from college. Um, the immediate goal is to go into the Peace Corps. Um, okay. I've had that goal since high school, and I've mm-hmm. been working towards that, doing some volunteering and just research mm-hmm. into what goes into the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, um, yeah, medical school. Um, yeah. And still trying to figure out that mm-hmm. part of the end goal. Um, definitely want to combine work with nonprofits mm-hmm. at the same time as... Um, 
being a doctor. I, I think it'd be cool to combine both into one. Yeah. Really quick, what is the Peace Corps? Yeah, so for those who don't know, the Peace Corps is um, a government program where uh, volunteers will go all across the world. They have stations in different countries and different continents um, a lot in Eastern Europe, Africa, I think Southeast Asia has a couple of stations as well. And um, they have different, I guess, areas of expertise where you could go into, kind of where your skill set best fits. Um, they have engineering, mm-hmm. healthcare, uh, political infrastructure, youth development, education, kind of like teaching people English. Yeah. And you definitely you apply to a position where um, you can help the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool seeing how people can utilize like their education and their skill sets and their strengths and in a place where they're helping communities that don't have the infrastructure that we have here mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah, um, that's really neat. I feel like I know a lot of at least mechanical engineers who choose a major because they're interested in automotive or oil and gas or honestly, like I chose it because I knew it was secure and it was a good like good future role to have that would like be stable but I feel like you don't meet a lot of mechanical engineers who have the goal that you have like number one the med school goal but also um, you're not really looking into any under other industry besides like wanting to help out the communities I feel like I've seen a lot of maybe civil engineers go down that route um, maybe um, building something accessible um, for people in lower income areas but mechanical that's like a really cool um, reason why you chose it I like I've never heard anybody that has that reason so Props to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, a lot of my friends in my classes, they're like, why are you doing mechanical? Like, why did you choose this major? And yeah. at, to this day, I still really don't have a question or an answer to that question. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy it. I enjoy doing the classes with them. Mm-hmm. I've made a good group of friends uh, in mechanical engineering. And it's just kind of allowed me to think more broadly about mm-hmm. life. I, I feel like a lot of people get stuck in their major and just the things that interest them. and. Mm-hmm. I've tried my best to um, not only deepen like my understanding of things like depth-wise, but also breadth-wise. Like not mm-hmm. just engineering, not just biological sciences and medicine, but mm-hmm. like researching like business things and other mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, oh, that's really neat. Um, I know. I like want to go back to this med school thing because I think whenever you look at someone who wants to go into med school and you lay out the three majors that you did, biomedical, chemical, mechanical. Mechanical seems like the odd one out. Like biomedical and chemical seem the more direct path to that. So I don't know, like, was there anything about the other two that made you not as, like, inclined to pick them? or? Yeah, for sure those two are, like, the more obvious choices, yeah. as unobvious as they are as engineers. Like, uh-huh. most pre-meds do not do engineering at all. It's kind of a... It's, like, it's a very it's poor tough. decision. It's very tough. Um, I, honestly, I don't know. Mechanical, I just like thought it was going to be interesting. I was mm-hmm. like, if I can like learn how to machine stuff and yeah. build stuff like that and also just learn how um, things operate. I think a while ago I was really interested in like orthopedics, mm-hmm. which is um, kind of the me- mechanics of the body with bones and muscles and ligaments, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I found like there was a lot of um, parallels with mechanical engineering where you could um, analyze the 
I don't know, some mechanical system and then be like, hey, it actually relates to how the body works, how the heart valves work and things like that. Yeah. So I just thought it was pretty cool. That's nice. Uh, when you were growing up, did you have anybody that maybe piqued or sparked your interest in, I guess, the STEM fields or was that something that you kind of found on your own? Yeah, I think my family, um, pretty typical of a mm-hmm. um, Vietnamese immigrant family, They, a lot of them were either engineers or doctors or uh, my mom is an eye doctor. Mm-hmm. My dad's an engineer. Yeah. Um, most of my aunts and uncles, whom I live really close to, like, they're all doctors or engineers. So I was very much submersed in that environment my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my siblings and I, we kind of went into this STEM field focus, mm-hmm. which is different things throughout, either engineering or nursing or mm-hmm. um, coding, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I've just always been interested in how things work, why they work, and like how can I help people. And I kind of settled on this dream of being a doctor mm-hmm. um, ever since I was a kid. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I feel like that is very like standard way of um, thinking in like an immigrant Asian American household is, you know, even if they're not explicitly like pushing you towards one direction, I mean, both of my parents are engineers and throughout my childhood I feel like it was very stressed that it's a very sta- safe job to have and I think when your parents are immigrating or at least my parents specifically um, they went through a lot of like adjustment periods when they moved to the US that all that they were searching for was stable income and just a stable lifestyle and they found that with engineering and I think that's why I ended up picking it was Number one, I wasn't super passionate about anything coming out of high school. I didn't feel like I had a calling towards anything. And so I feel like I ended up choosing my major because I saw what it did for them. And I was like, I want that for my family in the future. Mm. But um, <clears throat> I guess with the whole like Asian American immigrant family growing up, was there anything that maybe... Because, like, when you're living with your parents up until, like, you leave college, you kind of just, you don't always question what they do, and you kind of just um, follow what they say, and if they tell you, oh, you can't do this, you can do this, you kind of just, they almost, like, lay a path out for you. But when you come to college, they're not there to, like, remind you, like, about the little things or tell you, hey, like, make sure you do this. So I guess when you came into college after being with them for, like, the first couple, 18 years of your life, um... What do you think that like adjustment was like having to chart your own path? And we go to A and M, which is a predominantly white university, and so um, was that like a big adjustment for you? And yeah, yeah, uh, it's a good question. Um, I think throughout my entire life, I've always been pretty self sufficient. Mm-hmm. I was one of the more independent kids in my family, mm-hmm. um, and I always like cared about school on my own. I always cared about searching for new opportunities on my own. Obviously, I had the help of my parents, mm-hmm. uh, which they were glad to provide. Um, but I was always, like I said, very self-sufficient. So I think coming to college, um, the transition period was not about, like, am I going to do well in school? Mm-hmm. I didn't really have to worry yeah. that I wasn't going to do well mm-hmm. just because I knew I had created a foundation of study habits and mm-hmm. um, just an attention to detail in my school. Um, that my parents were like confident in me yeah. the moment I like moved to A&M that they didn't have to check up on me yeah. the way that maybe other parents do with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the main 
area of transition was like one me learning how to be independent Mm -hmm. like fully like not um being under my parents house and under their wing Mm -hmm. but when i think back i think my mom had more of that transition more than i did i think i was very comfortable just like oh i'm in college i get to have fun with my friends i get to experience life kind of on my own Mm -hmm. and i'm the baby of my family i'm like the youngest of four so my mom is the one that had to really understand oh like my last child's gone and i don't have any more kids in the house like i have to be the one to understand what it's like so there was a bit of tension for Mm -hmm. the first um couple semesters where me and my parents were trying to figure out this good balance of mm-hmm. um, how independent can I be mm-hmm. uh, and make my own decisions in life like outside of school um, and are they willing to respect that and understand where I'm coming from because um, I'm an adult now and mm-hmm. I think they've taken a bit longer to see me as an adult they yeah. still see me as their little baby boy which <laughs> yeah. is t- completely understandable yeah um over the past couple of years, sophomore to junior year, um, throughout like the good times and the hardships in my family, mm-hmm. um, I've had to learn not only who I am and what my values are and like where I stand in my beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess that was the first step in my uh, journey of self awareness, mm-hmm. learning who I was, uh, and I was I became very confident in myself and. Um, over time, that did create some tension with me and my parents if we just differed on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this past year, I've spent a lot of time um, learning their perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, your parents grew up just very um, going to STEM mm-hmm. because like that's just how they found a living and mm-hmm. how they were able to make their way in the world. And I think my parents had a pretty similar upbringing once they immigrated here. And um, it took me to understand that and how they were raised by their parents, my grandparents. Um, it took me to understand that for me to realize, like, even though we disagree on things, that doesn't mean that, like, there's any, uh, what's the word? I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, even if we disagree on things, like, we still love each other in the long run and we mm-hmm. will respect each other's values and yeah. who we are. It just, I didn't see that before this year Mm. it took me some understanding of that yeah I feel like I went through the very similar thing like freshman sophomore year for me it was just this whole struggle of I'm in college now like you can't tell me what to do or like check up on me all the time and unlike you like my parents always checked up on my grades like they're like and like I had they they had good reason to because like I I always try to do the bare minimum in high school and that carried over in the beginning of college so they're definitely a little worried and I was just a little resistant to that because, I mean, I'm in college. Why should you check up on me? Just trust that I'm going to be okay. Um, but it also wasn't until around junior year, senior year that I decided, that, you know what? Like, I feel like I'm mature enough now to where, like, now I want to see, like, why my parents act a certain way or why my parents are so worried about X, Y, and Z. And it's had it's been a couple of uncomfortable conversations in the beginning because they're not the ones to always bring it up. Like, if we're talking about our emotions or if we're talking about, um, I don't know, the way we're feeling or why we feel that way, I'm the one to bring it up. My parents aren't the most emotional parents, and that's totally fine. That's just the how they are. Yeah. Um, but I think over time it's gotten a lot better because now I feel comfortable enough to where 
my parents know why I act this way. I know why my parents act this way. And even if I don't agree with what they're doing action-wise and they don't agree with what I'm doing, we can find a way to meet in the middle. And it's a lot more civil than it would have been in, like, high school. Because in high school, even though I was living, like, with my parents in the same house, I didn't always agree with what they did, but I didn't, like, approach the conversation gracefully. I was just, like, I was rebellious. Like, I was just, like talk back a lot it was just really not the best situation but I think it's definitely gotten better over time yeah and I think that just comes with um, us as college students forming um, our own emotional intelligence and realizing that our parents are people also Mm -hmm. Um, I mean everything you just said I can relate to so heavily yeah and it's just funny that like a lot of college students um finally understand like what their parents have been through Mm -hmm. um, because we're kind of going through the same thing just 30 40 years later yeah Mm -hmm. um you like mentioned value stuff your values and you've been in quite a bit of things that make you like reconsider and examine your values so if you had to boil it down to like we'll give it like two or three Mm -hmm. maybe your like top three values that are like non-negotiables for you what would you say those are yeah um i've had to do a lot of like values validation (laughs) exercises and uh just determining how i can voice them Mm -hmm. effectively and i I think the first one that um i've kind of stuck by is a promise to be authentic to be Mm -hmm. genuine um definitely something that i didn't realize i struggled with for the first 19 years of my life and then um there became a sense of clarity in who I was and who I wanted to be. Um, so that promise of authenticity is first to myself, um, that I don't have to like meet anyone else's standards um, or expectations of me as long as that I'm confident in who I am. And then that promise extends to other people as well. Like I promise to be genuine to them in that whenever I'm communicating or hanging out with people, they know and they can trust that they see the real me Mm -hmm. um, and that they don't have to fake something for themselves either. Like, I hope that my authenticity inspires a sense of authenticity in others, Mm -hmm. or at least that's the hope, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Second, uh, it's kind of hard to just... Yeah. (laughs) Number one, so easy because that's pretty set in my ways. But number two, I mean... Goodness, I'd probably have to choose between like friends and family in like one mm-hmm. category. I yeah. think just the people that I have around me mm-hmm. are extremely important and I hold them to the highest regard and mm-hmm. just how I approach my life. Like I will sacrifice anything and everything for the people that I love. Uh, but outside of like people, I think, I think growth obviously mm-hmm. is a big one for me. Mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time in college pursuing opportunities for growth and mm-hmm. um, gaining wisdom from other people and internalizing that so I can live it out myself. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing for me, mm-hmm. especially in college when everyone's trying to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. There you go. Those are all <laughs> good ones. Um, with the whole like authentic part, I feel like, I mean, everyone falls into the trap of high school I feel like, honestly, if you meet, like, a high schooler who's, like, truly just, like, themselves and genuine, I feel like, number one, it's just, like, an odd sight to see because in high school, everyone's just trying to stick with 
I don't know if it's like maybe like a certain crowd. Like it's really easy to fall into that trap, and um, I guess once you get into college and you realize, like at least I realized for myself, a lot of those high school friendships that I thought they were my friends, it was like I only saw them in the hallways, or I was only friends with them because we like did this sport together, but it wasn't like actually friends. I didn't realize that until college when I was like, I didn't even think about them twice, you know? And I think in college, I mean, college you have like a lot deeper relationships with people, which is, I think, I mean, that's good because you're growing and you're a lot more mature. So you're able to have like a lot deeper conversations. But I think that's like a huge one that like it's for me too. Yeah. I, it's funny just the way people choose their friends. Um, most of the time, especially in high school, it's like friends by association. Mm-hmm. And like you said, sports or classes or just being neighbors. Yeah. Um, definitely felt that even up into freshman yeah. year, maybe even sophomore year because of COVID. Like, just like you had to be friends with people because um, you happen to be in the same organization as them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've spent the past couple semesters purposefully choosing my friends by choice mm-hmm. and like who do I want to spend time with uh, and invest them in them fully yeah. because um, that's what I'd rather do I don't want to yeah. just create an overabundance of mm-hmm. very uh, trivial friendships I'd rather just yeah. invest in a couple or more than a few that I can mm-hmm. they can trust me and I can trust them yeah and I agree too I think like that whole authentic- authenticity part extends into college because I mean we go to a university that's like very organization heavy and like you you can know a lot of people but they also can be just surface level people and as long as you're able to recognize like I have like my five group of people that like I can go to like these are my day ones and then I have all these other people who I'm not super close with and that's okay I think as long as you recognize that that's good but I feel like if you get into the trap of everyone you meet is like a close friend of yours then you fall, then you, it starts spiraling out of control because when like push comes to shove, you don't feel like you can actually reach out to them. Mm-hmm. And so, co- I mean, it goes into college too. I feel like we're just better at, I don't know. I think at A&M, it's really easy to meet people and sometimes it's easy to like feel like we're super, super close to people, but it's just like, <laughs> you're not, I don't know. It depends on the overword, overused word of intentionality and mm-hmm. how you approach the time that you spend with them. Yeah. As long as... And obviously, like, you can't overextend yourself because I realize, like, I've gotten to that point multiple times mm-hmm. with organizational commitments and mm-hmm. being too overworked. And then I realize, like, I just don't need to see anyone for three days. Like, yeah. I just need to be alone at the moment. But, like, mm-hmm. if you do find yourself, like, having the free time to hang out with people with intention yeah. and purpose, um, give it your all. And that's what I've tried to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also learned that sometimes it's not reciprocated. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really see that as like a, a lost cause. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just kind of cut my losses and I'm like, okay, like I realize like that's a friend that doesn't want to invest in me as much as I wanted to in them. Um, and then I, instead of continuing to pursue that relationship, I'm able to reevaluate my time and mm-hmm. put it elsewhere with yeah. another friend it's like naturally like filtering them out exactly yeah um on a scale of one to ten with ten being like the most like how do you how extroverted do you think you are 
Because <laughs> you probably have like moments of extroversion and introversion. Yeah. Um, I think I'm like an eight or nine, but there are some days that I'm eight or nine on extroversion. And then yeah. like last night I was in bed by 10. I didn't yeah. do, didn't do anything, didn't talk to anyone. And those are the nights that I just kind of need to spend by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are these moments of times when I need to recharge my battery on my own. Um, but for the most part, I get a lot of my energy from the people that I'm around yeah. and just the fun that I get to have with them mm-hmm. or the conversations I get to have with people. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm mainly an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely relate, relate to that. Like I like being around people, but there are just some days where you'll see me and you're like, dang, Victor, you're a completely different person. Like <laughs> you're not bouncing off the walls. And I'm like, I know I can't do that 24 seven, you know, you can't a break. It's hard. It's hard to, mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of people recognize that. Yeah. That you can't go mm-hmm. a lot. Because I've had a lot of friends like check in on me and be like, hey, like, I think you need to rest because <laughs> you've kind of gone nonstop for the past week or so. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm just going to stay at home and do nothing. And yeah. um, it's good having friends who not only check on me like that, but like respect me when I do mm-hmm. make those boundaries and just be like, yeah, I don't want to hang out tonight. I want to yeah. just stay at home and do nothing. Mm-hmm. How do you. Like, how do you feel like you can recharge your battery the most without, like, sleeping? Because obviously sleeping helps a lot. <laughs> but, like, what's another way that you, like, if you have your alone time, you're going to be doing this because it makes you, like, happy and feel fuller? Yeah. Um, besides spending time on TikTok, which I do all the time, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love to cook. and I uh-huh. love to bake. And it's something that I've kind of found a passion for. Mm-hmm. Um, beginning of sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I grew up with my dad cooking almost every meal for us every night um, and we'd have something different every day and like I realized like how much he liked cooking and how much he liked food mm-hmm. so having grown up in that environment with like a palate that's kind of mature I would say like I was able to mm-hmm. eat most foods and not be picky and things like that and yeah. um, I started cooking myself mm-hmm. and I was terrible at it at the beginning <laughs> um, but I just kept on researching more, uh, watching more YouTube videos on cooking or just different documentaries about food. And then I became really interested in like gastronomy, which is like the study of food and like Mm -hmm. the food science and how it all fits together, different flavors. And, um, whenever I have time to cook, I, I love to do it. And like my kitchen is my safe space. You Mm -hmm. know, I I can just stand there for hours and my feet are aching, but I don't even feel it because I just enjoy like not only the end product of the food that I'm cooking, but yeah. the process itself and like all the little steps in between. Like if I can be better at cutting an onion with more efficient knife skills, like I see that as a win. And yeah. I know a lot of people don't think like that. And uh-huh. I just, I enjoy cooking yeah. the process a lot. That's really neat. I like that a lot. I think number one, it's already a very useful skill to have. Um, honestly, it's a big flex too, because a lot of people just make the same old stuff like me included, but I feel like, especially around Thanksgiving time, if you can whip out a dish that's like different and also like that's yours, I'm, I'm jealous that you have that. <laughs> that's really cool. I mean, it's taken a lot of trial and error for sure. Mm-hmm. And there are some times I'll make something new and I'll throw it away immediately. Cause I'm like, this just didn't turn out the way I had hoped. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think. I'm very passionate about cooking, but I'm also very, I love like 
having people over at my house and feeding them and yeah. just having a good dinner conversation. I think that's like one of my favorite things in the world to do. Yeah. Um, and I've lived in the same house the past two years and the kitchen has allowed me to have a lot of people over and yeah. something that I've been trying to do, um, I've done it the past couple of semesters is like near graduation time or mm-hmm. at the end of the semester, mm-hmm. um, I'll invite some seniors over or like the, my friends who are about to head off and to the real world and do their own thing. I, uh, I kind of just host like a dinner party for them yeah. and it's just like to celebrate my friends and to celebrate the achievements yeah. that they've gotten. Um, but selfishly, like I get to cook and I get yeah. to, um, have that time alone and also have that time with them. Yeah. That's really neat. I think cooking, being able to like cook food too. I mean, you strike me as like a very, like you like to host stuff. And so cooking, the, the process of cooking is like individual, but the act of like sharing a meal with other people is communal. And I think like that's a really good balance for you to strike. It is. It's given me a lot of enjoyment and mm-hmm. just uh, good conversations for sure. Mm-hmm. That's over, good. Over a good home cooked meal. Yeah. Who do you think is like the best conversation you've had over like a meal you've cooked at your place? Ooh. Well, that's tough. Cause they're all they're all good. You can list like two or three too if you want. Yeah. Um, I mean. Also, what did you cook? <laughs> yeah. So back when um, Michael Sporkin was still here, um, it's been almost a year since he's graduated. So it was like last around this time, last April or May, um, I had him over before he graduated, and uh, and Will Hodges, mm-hmm. um, and I made them. I believe it was fresh pasta. I like rolled the dough myself and um, I tried to make it as like good a dinner as possible, made like dessert and everything. Um, And we just kind of ate and talked a lot about, I'm trying to remember. Um, We talked about Soul, the movie, the Mm -hmm. Pixar movie. So I think a lot of the conversation was centered around like purpose in life and Mm -hmm. how you get fulfillment in a career and things like that. Certainly something that Michael was probably thinking about a lot as he was about to enter into his job Uh and things that I've been um, wrestling with for the past couple semesters and Uh how I want my future career to look like. So that's a notable one for sure. Uh Um, I'll probably remember that one for a while. Uh Have you like, do you take pictures of like the meal and like the people you share it with? I I think that's a good thing to do. I do take, I have a Snapchat story Mm -hmm. called uh, Amateur Hour in the Kitchen Uh where I take pictures of all the food that I make. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's mostly just to, for me to remember it because I can Mm -hmm. look back or in this case when people ask me like, oh, like what have you cooked in the past? Like I can just kind of show them some pictures and um, it's something that I'm proud of Mm -hmm. that I, it's a skill that I have that is separate from school or leadership. It's like a Mm -hmm. hobby of mine. Yeah. That's really neat. I think that's super cool. Uh, and you said that's something, I mean, you said that having a dad who cooked and you always like being around that, like helped you like spark that interest. Yeah, for sure. And my parents also like loved having people over whenever we were younger, mm-hmm. um, or whenever we were free, they would have like family friends over and yeah. it would be a big celebration mm-hmm. where my dad would cook for days or just like all day, yeah. um, leading up to dinner and, um, it was just, I grew up in that environment and now I've kind of brought it into my own college home. Yeah. Um, and something else I do is at my house, I have like a photo wall uh-huh. of every person that's come into my house. Yeah. Um, 
and I have this little stuffed oppa like from Avatar The Last yeah. Airbender. Uh-huh. So every single person that's ever like stepped foot into my house gets their picture on the photo, on the oppa wall, I like mm-hmm. to call it. And yeah. typically that happens whenever I invite new people over for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like we'll eat and then right before they leave, I'm like, oh, take your picture. Yeah. <laughs> I think people who like take pictures like that, they need to be protected <laughs> because... Um, I don't know, like, I'm all for, like, I'll enjoy the moment, obviously, and I'm not going to have my phone out whenever something's going on, but I want a way to, like, remember the moment, too, whether that's a picture or a video, but it has to be, like, visual. I can't just, like, describe it, even though describing it might help, and so, I don't know, I think I was always, like, a big picture taker, but I think it just hits you when it's, like, your last year, too, and you're like, dang, like... I know I don't like walking to Kyle Field for like a game or whatever. Like it's just a long, like hot, sweaty walk. But dang, I'm gonna miss this, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's good that you already do that um, in your own life because I think those pictures, at some point, you're gonna leave here and like you'll have the memories in your head. But like having visual representation of like what the past four years looked like, I think is also really nice too. Yeah, and on that concept of time and like fleeting time mm-hmm. I was just talking about that today with some people mm-hmm. um, and I mean I know I have like a little over a year left before I graduate mm-hmm. um, but a lot of my friends are seniors who are about to leave or something like that mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I approach spending my time with them really differently because in the back of my head I do know like oh we're nearing some of the last few moments that I have with them or um, I read an article where they said if like if you split up all your time and if you looked at things in terms of percentages, like you've probably spent ninety five percent of your time with your parents already that yeah. you're gonna have for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's and true. like same with college friendships. Like if you're a senior, you've probably spent about ninety percent to ninety five percent of all your time with these friends. Um, and I, I like that idea of thinking about that, like knowing that there is a limited amount of time before mm-hmm. things come to an end. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm very wary of fully buying into that idea because I'm the type of person where I do like just I try my best I guess to live in the moment or to have fun with someone and if it comes to the point where they're gone from my life or like they're in a different city like I'll at least have my last few memories to know that hey I I had a good time with that person like it may not have been like the best end the way I like had hoped, but like I'm very content with mm-hmm. um, how it did end, and I, I feel like stressing over the fact that like these are the last few moments, or like we're near the end. I I don't know. Part of me is very hesitant yeah. to think about these things. Yeah. But ask me again in a year, right before I graduate, <laughs> and maybe that'll change. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned that because I mean, last year at this time, even though I am like class of twenty one. I already knew I was going to be staying for a fifth year, so I didn't really feel that urgency where I saw a lot of my like peers feeling that. And this year, I am, like I, I look at, like I'm graduating like May 14th, and I most likely have like X amount of time left with certain people. It is kind of sad, and I am like dreading it, like, oh my goodness, we're so close to the end. But I also tell myself like, dude, Victor, you gave, like, you had an extra year to make all these other memories that you wouldn't have had had you 
not did a co-op and not drop fluid mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm like living on borrowed time right now. And I, instead of being like sad, I should be grateful. Mm. And even if I was only staying for four years, the fact that I even was here for four years and I didn't transfer out or drop out or something like catastrophic didn't happen, like I should also be grateful for that. Yeah. And so that took me a while to realize because I think in January I was like, dang, this is really my last semester. I met a lot of cool people that I didn't think I would meet. And now, like, honestly, like, 95% of these people, it might be my last time ever seeing them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, having the mindset of you already had, like, you had your time and some to make all these memories, like, just enjoy the moment. And that's just what I've been trying to do. So It's hard. Yeah. It's always hard because everyone is so focused on the future. And Mm -hmm. um, you got to do your best, I guess. That's something I struggle with all the time. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask you too, just about, um, I don't know if it's, I guess it's like a society thing, honestly, but it's also just a college thing too, but just always being busy. Whenever you brought up that, like last night you had slept at 10, I feel like you could talk to a freshman or a sophomore and they're like, why would you do that? Like you should be going out, you should be having fun. You should be like going to parties, meeting people, um, you need to be busy otherwise. Like if you're by yourself Friday or Saturday night and you're just watching TV, like doing a face mask and sleeping at 10, like you're lame, <laughs> you know? Or like that's like the, I guess the immature way of thinking of it. Yeah. So like number, like first question is, have you ever like felt like you always had to be busy? And then number two, like if you have and like maybe now you don't as much, like what do you think shifted that mm-hmm. uh, process? Um, all throughout high school and... Honestly, even up until this point, I've been extremely busy. I've been the type of person to add more and more obligations to my list of mm-hmm. things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoy it all. Like, I enjoy being busy. I enjoy um, kind of hopping from thing to thing because, like I said, I get energy from people or doing things. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> for sure this semester, like, I've, me and my friend group, we've, we kind of feel like old and like we just want to like lay around at someone's house and not do anything. Like yeah. we, I've spent more weekends doing that probably than going out to a party or to Northgate or things um, mm-hmm. that are extremely social, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is just because I've become comfortable in the place that I'm at. Mm-hmm. Not complacent. Um, I think that I didn't use that word for a specific reason because like, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm still pursuing opportunities mm-hmm. to grow myself and to grow in friendships and to be social when I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I want to spend a Friday night or Saturday night in mm-hmm. my own house alone, because we had a big event yesterday yeah. and like, I'm just slightly tired from the week yeah. that I've had. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to impress anyone yeah. or to go out of my way to be social mm-hmm. because yeah, there's a heavy culture of overworking yourself and, mm-hmm all that but I do that enough during the week that <laughs> if it so happens that the weekend is my time to relax that's just the way it is yeah that's a mature way of thinking especially like I feel like junior year is like your peak social year because you're not super old like you know all the seniors but you also know like pretty much all the younger people too whereas it's when you're a senior you're kind of like detached from that younger crowd but I feel like it's so easy to fall into that trap and think you need to do everything all the time be busy seen with friends going out and I mean I, I think that's a good way of how you're thinking about it too because I didn't really realize that honestly until 
my like this past year. I mean, I've lived in the north. I like lived in Aspire the past like two years, so Northgate was right there. And maybe living here is like good because I don't feel as inclined to go. But even just like sometimes I don't want to even like go to a party or like go to something like that. I'll just be like have a few people over, like watch a movie. <laughs> we don't even have to talk, but we just like watch a movie or like have a board game night or whatever. I just remember throughout college thinking that alcohol had to be like attached to an event for me to have fun or for it to seem like it was cool or whatever. And I had to do that like Thursday, Friday, Saturday almost, you know? Mm. So Yeah, I think sophomore year, like peak COVID school year, mm. online classes and everything. I mean, I know a lot of people struggled with being social or making friends that year. Um, but me and my friends, like, we kind of were pretty, I don't know how we did it or if we were just lucky. Like, I felt like we had our fair share and more of our social outlets, mm-hmm. whether it's through, like, organizational involvement or just meeting new people mm-hmm. through the grapevine. Like, I, I'm i not necessarily burnt out socially, but sophomore year took a lot of yeah. that um, urgency away because I had, I've, I'm pretty appeased with, how I spent that time and like yeah. going out, you know, or hanging out with people like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and this year I'm like, well, I want to spend time at home. Like that's exactly what I want to be doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agree. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, you've talked about like cooking, but what are a couple of other things that you do that make you feel like happy? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess on the same vein as, like, overworking yourself or being super busy, mm-hmm. uh, I spend a lot of my time in organizations, mm-hmm. and um, they've kind of shifted throughout the years as, mm-hmm. like, you've get, gotten older and meeting new people, and um, there's a lot of obligations that I have, um, just either leadership-wise or just me putting it on myself to be a better friend to people. Um, but these are all things that I find immense fulfillment in, um, and I enjoy investing my time in doing these things. Like, so I don't necessarily see it as like a chore or an, a job. It's it's just it's a fun responsibility that I have the blessing to have. You know. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, I think. Um, it's cool when you're like involved in different organizations, especially like ones that aren't really, or like, cause like as an engineer, it's really easy to just stick with your engineering crowd. But when you're meeting people who like don't have the same background as you in terms of like major wise, I mean, there's already a pretty big difference. I feel like a lot of engineers, even though we're all different, like we have a very similar way of thinking, but when you like talk to people from different other colleges or other fields of study, you just like learn more from them and maybe you can't like relate to them as well. But even just being around them, you're just like, you're not like just staying within your bubble. Almost, yeah. Which I like. Yeah. And I, I've tried my best to branch out. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, in College of Engineering, meet as many people through like the Zachary Leadership Program. And that's mm-hmm. an incredibly diverse group of friends that I've made, mm-hmm. um, all with different aspirations within engineering. Um, and then elsewhere, like, the social outlet that I have, like Centuries is a great place for me to have a good brotherhood and mm-hmm. have guys that support me um, through everything. 
Um, and I equally support them as much as I can. And um, that is an extremely diverse group of people that I'm able to gain different perspectives on mm. almost anything. Yeah. Had a lot of fruitful debates about things with mm. them. Yeah, there you go. Uh, how do you think, like, when you're... Life is, like, all said and done. Like, how do you know you'll have, like, a successful life at the end of it? Or, like, what are ways that you would measure that? Yeah. Um, I think if you asked my high school self, it would have been very focused on the results of things. Mm-hmm. Tangible. Um, did I achieve something? Mm-hmm. Did I, is my name on some certificate or plaque or... Mm-hmm something of the sort. Um, now, similar to, I guess, my mindset about cooking, mm-hmm. I'm just very much enjoying the process. And if I can get something out of things along the way, or if I can improve on something along the way of mm-hmm. wherever I'm working, like if I'm a doctor or if I'm um, in my relationships with people, if I can continually grow them and not measure my success at the end, like that's... Mm-hmm definitely something that I'm focusing on, like the, the gradual process of it. Yeah. Um, and lastly, like, honestly, m- most importantly is like the impact that I leave. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, doesn't have to be from zero to 100. It's like a process. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I can, like, at my funeral, if people can talk about, like, the words that I said that's, somehow managed to inspire them and mm-hmm. like that would mean the most to me yeah. like over any achievement mm-hmm. um that like i could get in a job or anything if i could if my actions are able to inspire people mm-hmm. to move towards a greater good um in their life or to just be more optimistic in life as i tend to be um i would consider my life to be successful at that point yeah your answer reminds me of this quote. I It's like probably one of my favorite quotes, but it's just how people don't always remember what you say or do, but like remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And I really like that a lot because you can't quantify like feelings. You can't say, I'm feeling 85% happy today <laughs> or like 33% inspired or whatever. But uh, I really like it because it's just so vague, but like it's it's so powerful too. And you could do like something super small, you could check up on somebody, text them, call them out of the blue, and not even talk to them for like another 10 months or something. But maybe that small action you did that you like initiated made them feel a certain way and then trickled into other parts of their life. And I think that's just really cool because um, you can't really quantify it. And it's it can be really something small but have a big impact. Yeah, and I think what's important is like, not trying to do those things. Like you're not, I'm not trying to, have people be impressed in me. Mm-hmm. I just live out my life as best as I can mm-hmm. and hope that people can see an example out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And if it hits, then that's great. If it doesn't, yeah. then... Uh, that's okay. That's okay. I'm at least confident in myself that I don't need other people to mm-hmm. uh, affirm me at every yeah. step of the process. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of things that I've learned is to be comfortable in my own style of leadership, to be comfortable in how I operate and how I work. So um, if people are inspired by that, 
that's great. Yeah. I didn't mean to inspire them, like, mm-hmm. um, or that wasn't the intention, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy that it did. Yeah. You know, actually, what type of like leadership style do you think you have? Or like, how are you in a role? Because some people, I mean, I, I already know this isn't you, but I know some people are just like power hungry or just, oh, like I'm a leader, I can do everything and you guys have to listen to me and it's my way or the highway. What do you think you are? Yeah, uh, it's definitely something that I believe is situational, depending on the group of people that I'm with mm-hmm. or trying to work towards a specific goal. Like it changes depending on mm-hmm. that circumstance. Um for me, I think over everything, like despite the circumstance, like empathy plays a large role in how I um, lead others. Like if I can understand where they're coming from and um, how they are trying to work towards something or how they are trying to communicate, like if as long as I can understand um, or step into their shoes, uh, that makes me, I feel like it allows me to lead them better situationally because I'm able to see them fully who they are and mm-hmm. kind of um, step off my pedestal and like either just go to their level and mm-hmm. speak with them on their level. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm a very type A, so I like to get things done yeah. very organized and very efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess operationally, that's kind of how I mm-hmm. uh, work and... I'll have like an itinerary for everything or I'll mm. be very um, planned out with emails and yeah. things like that. But like that's not really the type of leadership that I mm-hmm. like. I don't consider that leadership. I consider that more administrative work. You yeah. know? Um, leadership is the ability to work with people and inspire them. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'm still learning. I don't think anyone um, in college at least has, has it figured out. Yeah. Um, I, I've had great mentors or just examples either professors or speakers that have come um, that offer, even if it's just one bit of advice or if it's their entire speech, like I can, if I can glean something from them and incorporate that into my own life or leadership style, like I've tried my best to do that because I find it really valuable to learn from other people's successes Mm -hmm. or mistakes. Yeah. I agree with the whole situational thing though too because like you can't just lead two people on your same team the same way you know they they both have things that they like and they prefer and what one person what works for them might not work for the other person and it's like up to you as a leader to find out what's the best manner to like talk to them and get to know them through that which I think is a big part of like the empathy part like trying to get to know them and understand where they come from yeah I think for me like I started doing that with my friends first Mm -hmm. um realizing that my friends and I might differ on some things or we might have different expectations of how um, we should be towards each other as like just in a friendship. Um, And by learning that, I was like able to mirror that into the rest of my roles or wherever I'm at, like in a leadership role. And um, I think that I think that was the most most helpful thing to do for me to understand empathy from a friendship level and then, mm-hmm. you know, be like, okay, my teammates or workers or peers are also people as well that I can treat like friends as long as I'm empathetic with them. Yeah. Um, and that's helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. Do you have like any 
maybe any speech or any professor? I mean, you mentioned people that have like taught you, even maybe if it's just one like nugget of wisdom. Is there any speech or professor or anyone that you've heard talk stick out to you? Yeah, so uh, currently I'm in Business Fellows, um, which if any of y'all are listening to this, y'all should look into it. It's a really cool program at Maze, uh, a lot of leadership development and teamwork and stuff. So look into it. A little it. plug. A little plug into <laughs> Business Fellows. <laughs> um, any major can do it. But mm-hmm. it's currently led by uh, General Van Alstine, um, who is... Um, the exemplar of what a good and humble man um, is. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's just, his nuggets of wisdom are so valuable to my life and how I approach the people around me. Because, like, it's not only a leadership class. Like, he teaches a lot of, he believes in what's called the humanity arrow. Like, despite the business world or just how society is run politically or anything, like, what cuts through all of that is the humanity of us all and how we can just be human with each other and mm-hmm. um, be good people. And his biggest lesson to me that um, I've tried incorporating incorporating in my life is um, like humility through gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, like let's say you're at a restaurant or you're um, being served by someone in some way. Um, like take a custodial staff for example. Like they are constantly around, but they're very invisible because mm-hmm. most people don't give them the time of day to even say hi or to say thank you. Mm-hmm. So um, what General Van Austin does so incredibly well is he takes his, the extra time out of his day to speak with them, learn their name, mm-hmm. um, learn just a little bit of their life story because mm-hmm. he likes to say that um, there's no, I can't word it correctly, but there's no sound sweeter to a person's ears than the sound of their own name being said correctly to them. Um, So like by learning someone's name, like if you're at a restaurant and someone's trying to serve you and um, you hear who they are as a person, Mm -hmm. um, that person is able to feel heard and able to feel understood, even if it's just for a short two minute conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And little actions like that, I believe accumulate to impacting people in the long run. so that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. Yeah. Um, I've tried conveying that to my friends and the people that I lead. Like, mm-hmm. in order to be humble, like you have to be grateful for people who are serving you, and then that you're not typically giving them the, the right attention of day. You know. Yeah, that that's powerful. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's really cool. Uh, I I like got a small taste of. I mean, exactly what you just said when I was helping do Engineers Week. We were helping put on like this staff luncheon where like custodial staff and a lot of the invisible Aggies, but also like professors would um, just show up and get free catered lunch. And it gave me like an excuse to like stop a custodian and say, hey, I don't know if you heard about this, but we have this like coming up. We'd love for you to like come and just ask their name and just talk with them, even if it was like three minutes. Yeah. And even though like like i would love to do more of that just like stop and say like thank you but even just that limited interaction like some of them i'm not gonna lie they looked intimidating at first but then like you talk to them and they got the biggest smiles on their face they're so approachable and they're just so happy and i'm like dang i did this with just a three-minute conversation like I, i should just keep doing this because 
they deserve to feel heard. They, I, it's, I feel like their role too. It's so easy for them to feel like we're just workers here. We're just discarded and forgotten. But it takes like a special person to like consistently do that and show up for them. Yeah. So and um, he's kind of passed that on. General has passed that on to members of his class, mm-hmm. uh, and he's been doing this for years now. And I think it's his hope that we pass it down to our friends and other people. So, over, like, the impact is not just limited to the classroom, mm-hmm. but, like, your example is a perfect example of, like, people will just kind of start doing that on their own mm-hmm. um, if given the opportunity. Yeah. And that sets the example for other people if they just happen to see it or mm-hmm. hear it. Um, yeah. And it's our hope that here at AM that we, you know, can form mm-hmm. people like that. Yeah, I like it. Um, I have a couple more questions for you. My first one is, I feel like over the course of this like episode, you've talked a lot about, or you've like briefly touched on like growth or like change. And I was just curious, like, how do you think you've changed since high school? Mm -hmm. Um, there are many ways that I've changed (laughs) since high school. Uh, I'm very proud of my high school self. I think that Mm -hmm. that kid was good and he, uh, he worked hard. But he was also prideful mm-hmm. and um, overly competitive to the point of being toxic mm-hmm. um, and also very scared to be himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I can touch on these things. Like I had a conversation like right before I graduated high school where a friend, um, we were like at this retreat and he told me that like I wasn't being a good friend to him. Mm-hmm. in the past and that's a conversation I'll like remember forever mm-hmm. because he he was the first person that like sat me down and told me like to my face like how I have been a poor friend by being so competitive and so um, worried about the idea of success and achievement and tying my own personal worth to those things yeah. um, and ever since that moment I've tried my best and I think I've reached a good point in my life now where like that sense of competition, like, is still there. Like, I still love a good, healthy Mm -hmm. um, competition, but I'm no longer sacrificing my values or the importance of the people in my life Mm -hmm. in order to win. Because that that makes no sense, Mm -hmm. you know? um, It's not worth it to win something if it means losing a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of that, uh, me not knowing who I was back in high school... um, I, I mean, if we just look at most high schoolers, yeah, you're very much tied to the friend group that you're in, and mm-hmm. you try to fit in to the status quo, and um, I went to uh, Strike Jesuit, which is a all-boys Catholic school in Houston, and um, there were many guys of, like, great character, but there was also many guys that were um, just maybe their upbringing or something, like, they just kind of had this persona about them that um, didn't allow people to be themselves because they wanted to fit in. And yeah. um, I'm not trying to talk down about that school. It's just like, just so happens, like that's how high schoolers are mm-hmm. wherever you find them. Exactly. Um, and for me, that meant kind of subduing a large part of my own like personal self. Like mm-hmm. I'll just say like I'm gay and mm-hmm. it took me until the summer after my freshman year to accept that myself and then to be able to voice that to people that I care about and that they care about me. Um, and I would, I 
never would have imagined. Like if I, me as my 16 year old self never would have imagined that me at 19 years would have been comfortable enough to do that. I honestly thought like that part of me would have to remain closed off for, I don't know if the rest of my life or just a very long part of it, you know? Um, and thank God I was surrounded by people. Um, it was my first year fish camp who just, they were so genuine Mm -hmm. and they were so comfortable in their own skin. Mm -hmm. Um, whoever they were like, they just, they were just themselves. And I was for the first time surrounded by people who I felt like I could be myself with. And, um, I don't like to say that my sexuality defines who I am or defines my character, but it opened the door for me to be myself truly because mm-hmm. I think that was a large part of myself that I was keeping hidden. And um, being able to... The emotional turmoil that I had to go through, like to accept that fact yeah. and like the crying and all the hardships of telling my friends, like because I just felt so guilty for 19 years of my life mm-hmm. um, because I had denied myself of a pretty fundamental truth. Yeah. Um, so that entire first semester of sophomore year, it took me a long time to become um, confident in who I am. And mm-hmm. here I am today, almost 21, and I, I, I'm very happy with the past two years. It's been like almost unbelievable Mm -hmm. like just how much love and support I've gotten from friends and um, just being surrounded by a group of people who Mm -hmm. um, embrace me for me and then um, continually challenging me to grow like I've been surrounded by that and uh, something that I'm so incredibly proud of um, I think this will be something that I'll remember as well is like I've had a couple maybe like more than a few people come up to me in the past two years and they've told me that like the way that I have like shared my story or lived my life like mm-hmm. it's inspired them to come out mm-hmm. to their friends and family. and I every time I say that it just makes me so like emotional because like that like I know how hard that was for me mm-hmm. and the fact that my life was a good example for others like just makes me feel so proud of how much I've grown since high school because like I could imagine myself doing that Mm -hmm. back when I was 16 years old and here I am at almost 21 and being able to unintentionally inspire people um, to be themselves like that's where that whole authenticity value comes from Mm -hmm. because I have my life experience and how much I now care about being genuine to people Um, and I know how much people care about me being genuine Mm -hmm. to them yeah Um, so Definitely, since high school, I've changed a tremendous amount. Um, those are kind of the highlights for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That's awesome. I think, um, <laughs> well, first, thanks for sharing that. Um, but secondly, like you said, I don't think it's like the sexuality that defines you, but it's the process of you like accepting something that, especially back then, like it's just not as accepted as it was now. And even now, there's still like people who like don't really have like positive things to say about it and whatever, but it's like that whole process of like wrestling with yourself, having almost like an identity crisis and then walking through it and realizing like this is like finally accepting it, you know? I think that is a big part of like what defines you as a person and character, so that's that's big. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) It's taken a lot of time and Mm -hmm. um, self-reflection on 
who I want to be, how do I want to portray myself to the world. And um, I'm just extremely fortunate that the people that I'm surrounded with uh, have embraced me with open arms. Yeah. My um, last thing I want you to do is, um, I say I want you to do, so I like to do like audio journals whenever like I don't feel like writing. And sometimes I like to do them because it's just an easy way for me to, like if I'm reading my own own writing, like I can read it, but I can't really hear how I'm saying it. And so sometimes if I don't feel like it, I'll just go on my voice memos app or pull out the microphone and just talk. And I think of it as like a voice diary. And I love doing that because then I can look back and see like something that I might have thought was a huge deal in the moment and look back on it six months later and be like, why was I even like tripping over that, you know? And it's really crazy because on some of these, like I'm actually like, like you can hear the sadness in my voice. But then, like I said, six months later, I'm like, dude, why was I like, that's not a big deal. It really puts things in perspective. And so the reason why I um, mention all that is because I want you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a voice memo type audio journal for you. You're going to do one for yourself. The context of what we're talking about is like, what is something that you think your future self either needs to hear or it wouldn't hurt to remind your future self about yeah something that like a message that can be replayed anytime anywhere and applies so it could be like in a month two months or even like five years Hmm. so i'll go first i'll say something to you and then you say something to yourself yeah that's just so interesting Mm because i love to journal i think you're pretty similar Mm -hmm. in that uh and i got into that like a year ago Mm -hmm. um and then I recently went on voice memos for something and yeah. I realized that I had also left myself a couple of voice memos yeah. that I completely forgot about. Uh-huh. And uh, like you called them what audio journals, yeah. right? Um, and I listened to it and I recorded one on my 20th birthday last May. Mm-hmm. I was listening to it and I'm like, what was I going through? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so funny. Cause like, yeah, like you were saying, things seem so trivial now, mm-hmm. uh, now that it had been almost 10 months since I mm-hmm. originally recorded that message. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree with you completely. Like the, um, immortalizing it mm-hmm. in, with your the voice. inflections of your voice mm-hmm. and, um, being able to look back on it. It, it's a lot better than rereading a journal entry. Cause sometimes I look at my journal and I'm like, okay, I wrote that. But yeah. like, what did that mean? I didn't, exactly. it's just words on paper. Yeah. So I, I can completely see where you're coming from. Gotcha. Okay, I'll go for you, and then you do it for yourself. Awesome. Okay. Hello, future Matthew. Don't know when you're listening to this, but um, first of all, you are such a stand-up guy. Like, I remember meeting you freshman, well, I guess your freshman year, and I mean, it was a brief conversation, but even then, I was like, dude, this guy is like, there's just like drive behind him. Like, I just tell how like passionate about like, just meeting people and I don't know you're just very like all about people and I th- I really like that because it reminded me of myself um, and then I don't know like you've just you've come very far and it's not like you were like in a bad place your freshman year but like you've just grown so much and have done so much and now you're in a position where instead of being a freshman and having like upperclassmen to look up to like now you're that upperclassman that the underclassmen will look up to you know and I think it's like couldn't have had a better person to like ha- like be an example for 
I think like the way I think anything I've learned from you from this episode today like the way that you live your life and just that the experiences that you've gone through have shaped you into be like a very respectable and like kind-hearted person and you'll meet a lot of kind-hearted people in college don't get me wrong and especially at A&M there's just a very high proportion amount of them but um someone who's just very like feel like very emotionally intelligent both as just like a friend but also as a leader um I think that's a really hard balance to strike and I've never had you as a leader by any means but I can already tell just by the way you carry yourself the way you talk um that's something that like if you were my leader I'd be totally fine like I, I just like I would trust you to do anything so I hope you continue um living the life that you're living and keep growing it seems like you're in a very good path as of now um hope you don't ever feel like um I mean I hope you don't ever feel like you're like not enough for anything too because if there's anything that I've learned is that like you're perfectly capable of doing anything that you set your mind to whether it is school but like whether it is also just your friendships and the people you're around. So, hope you continue just being that person and uh yeah. Thank you for that. That was sweet. You're welcome. Um, it's my turn, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it a go. <laughs> uh okay. Hey, future me. <laughs> um like Victor said, I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but um, there are a couple of things that I hope I can tell you. But one, I hope that life is going well, um, that you are continually learning how to live better in the moment with the people that you're surrounded with. Um, right now, I'm in a period of time in college where uh, I either feel very overwhelmed, um, sometimes a bit drained or burnt out um, but I'm still spending as much time as possible um, having these intentional moments with my friends um, and family um, and I hope that whenever you hear this that you are in that same place where um, no matter where you're at if you're going to medical school or if you're even further down the line which that sounds like so far away but uh, wherever you're at, I hope that you do keep people at the center of everything that you do. Um, and I hope that you are finding opportunities to seek joy in these, the things that you're doing. Um, do things with purpose, with fulfillment, uh, because you've spent your entire junior year worrying about it, so don't waste your time. <laughs> and... I guess I can slightly, uh, this is so weird doing this, but I guess I can affirm you in saying that like you've done the work up until almost your 21st birthday. Um, you're turning 21 and oh, I'm turning 21 in a little over a month and um, I'm pretty proud of myself. So if you look back at the time that I've spent in college, um, I hope you don't view any of it as a waste of time because um, we've done good here. We've made great friends. Um, and yeah, just uh, be happy with all the life experiences that you've had because I don't want you with regrets further down the line. There you That's go. it for me. There you go. Well, Matthew, um, thank you so much again for being on this. I'm glad we 
finally got this going. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this is a great time. Thanks, Victor. No problem. Well, that brings us to the end, and we'll see you guys on our next one. Peace out.